Mana 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 this is social disgusting welcome to social disgusting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is the senior production manager at earwolf media as well as a multi-instrumentalist and member of the excellent band man man whose fantastic sixth studio album dream hunting in the valley of the in-between excuse me dream hunting in the valley of the in-between just came out may 1st please welcome brett morris welcome thanks man thanks for having me i see um you know you're getting choked up you know talking about yeah, yeah. the album i understand that let um, me tell you before i ask the, <laughs> the question i always ask yeah it is such a good album oh man thank you I, it I really is so good that. i am definitely like very susceptible especially to groups that have just maybe not in the actual like technical term version yeah. of it but the wall of sound just uh-huh. throwing so many different sounds at you. I mean, any band yeah. that has a lot of xylophone, I'm in automatically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, it's really been like uh, you know, I'm sincerely so proud of it. I don't, I don't know, like you know, of course, when you make something for years, you are invested in it, and you're probably biased towards it. But yeah, you know, I feel like with this group, it's such a, it's it's such a thing that existed, you know before me and it's you know honus honus's baby and you know there's so many moving parts and and, and like i just tr- i really believed as we were shaping it up that it was becoming like an actually great album and like you know with or without me and like so it just feels good when i feel like people actually listened to it all the way through yeah. and, and, and recognize it. Cause I do feel, yeah, I think it's great. And it, and it just, it came out in such a weird time. I mean, <laughs> what, what yeah. can you say about that? I mean, it came out May, 2020. So, uh, you know, right as the pandemic hit, we haven't been able to tour and it's just the weirdest thing. I hope it helped people in some way or, you know, I think it's a really fun album. It is. And absolutely. I've learned so much just like being in the band. Like I, I, I totally come from, you know, kind of like a, a like purist rock and metal and, and kind of like this attitude of, of like guitar forward music, especially as like a, as a guitarist that like for years, I just thought like my brain works musically as a, like a guitar first kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and of course the main rock band instruments and stuff. But then meeting Ryan and and I don't know, just through the years opening up so much, like you know, for for in the '90s and stuff, it was just like anything like horns and all that stuff was kind of like it took away from the heaviness, you know? Yeah. But I think we have like this really cool thing where it's just like this attitude of anything goes like just make it weird throw in the weirdest thing you can think of as long as it works like as long like everyone's just such a multi-instrumentalist in the band it's just been so cool to be a part of to just be able to like swap instruments have fun on stage like we just do i don't know it's just it makes you think like why doesn't all why don't all bands do this like it's crazy that (laughs) People just pick one lane and just stay yeah. in it. Why would you just play guitar? Why not, <laughs> why not just like hop on keys for a song or, you know what I mean? 
Well, that's funny, yeah, though, so yeah, fun. to your point of, like, growing up and you just listen to, like, you know, the idea of, of a rock band being singer, bass player, guitarist, yeah. drummer, yeah. done. And how, yeah, it's like that, that kind of paradigm is just, like, that's just what it is. You know, I grew up listening to ELO and, oh, nice. and Pink Floyd and these bands where more was more in a way that wasn't in any way taking away from it. I mean, it really yeah. was, like everything this alchemy that was just beautiful but like the idea of like by the way we have we have like full elo moments on this record you probably i know noticed. oh believe yeah. me <laughs> yeah i love it too i yeah. love elo so much oh me too and just the idea though that like thinking about it that way though it feels so limiting to just stick with that conceived paradigm as yeah. opposed to you know like you said well what about this that that so long as it's not yeah. like taking away from the mission or whatever then it's like hell yeah and don't get me wrong i still absolutely love you know give me like the most pure raw like sludge metal or whatever but there's something like i love so much when music gives you that same energy and feeling as like like a sabbath or like a you know like metal for all, all intents and purposes, like the, just that energy rush, but it's not at all. Like yeah. when we started playing uh, Powder My Wig, the song that's on that the album, and it's like probably the most weirdo song on it. We started playing that live, and when we started writing it, like all the songs on the album, it just was this real process in writing and evolving it and shaping it live and just as that song came together more and more at the beginning, I was, I didn't quite even know what to make of it or what to even think about that song. Like, is this good? Is it too weird? Is it like, like what, what are we this? doing? And then yeah. it was just sort of throwing parts constantly back and forth. And it was just building into this, this thing. And when we actually played it live, I remember one time, um, you know, and it's always weird to debut like a, a new song and you see what the audience thinks of it because man, man, is that nerve wracking? Oh, I wouldn't say I, I th it's exciting. I, I, okay. I you know, it I don't think it's nerve wracking as much as like your expectations aren't, especially in a band like man, man that has these old fans that are, you know, they come, they come out and like face paint and stuff and they're ready to oh, hear okay. Fair enough. the old, uh, jams you know yeah um and they go crazy for the old stuff of course as they should and i've you know that's how i feel about a million bands so you get it you know it's like you yeah. play a new song and they're always like supportive but you're you don't have expectations that they just like get it you know what i mean so when we started playing powder my wig though is like this really interesting thing because it's like this crazy jazzy vaudevillian thing like that <laughs> that just goes it has, if you pick apart each piece, it has no relation to like rock music, but yeah. it has this energy that just builds. And by the end, people were moshing. It's just like, it just, you saw like it just unlock something in people and they start get agitating and they start pushing each other around. And by the end, they were just in a frenzy. And it was like, it was just the coolest moment for me. Like, cause I, I, uh, grew up heavily influenced by like moshable music, but to yeah. see people mosh to something that's so <laughs> not like there's no distortion in it really. Uh, to me, that's just like very cool and different. It's um, so interesting. Yeah. It's funny by the way, like I will say that track six goat. Oh is, yeah. I laugh. That song makes me laugh very hard. <laughs> yeah. 82 seconds of instrumentation for 
a verse that ends with salmonella. Oh, I know. It makes me laugh. So, and then salmonio. Mm. It makes me laugh so hard. Anything you have about that song, please continue. <laughs> Rhyming salmonella with salmonio is, <laughs> is just genius on its own. And then the the production, like the sound of it came out so incredible. Like that was sort of this, yeah, again, just something in rehearsals. Came together actually fast. We were really married to like this cell phone recording of like the first time we just sort of jammed it out. And mm-hmm. there was just so much that clicked. There's so much that's still there. Even actually the the intro of it is that cell phone recording. Really? Um, you know, it starts off with this kind of uh, found footagey sound. And that's just us sort of warming up, uh, you know, like an iPhone recording. But then it then it opens up into the studio recording. But um, yeah, like I, I jump on marimba for that, which was so fun and that's yeah that's the other thing is if you're a musician and you're relatively skilled at something or you know i'm obviously better at guitar than i am at other instruments but it's just this attitude of like like why not jump on another instrument you don't have to be like good at it just (laughs) just figure out something cool for this song and play it in a band i don't know there's it feels like there's these barriers most people have in other bands like oh you have to be a certain level to play that in a band like you're you're put in boxes right but it's just fun to just be like like kevin in the band basically like learned trumpet on the job you know um (laughs) and he's really good at it now but it's just fun to have that that attitude, just anything goes. But yeah, the sort of lead marimba part, I really am happy with that. And, and also, uh, we played that in Oaxaca, just Honus and I. We went to, to Mexico on this little trip for the documentary about him. And he ended up booking a show, just the two of us, with no equipment. Like we, you know, we were just basically on a trip in the middle of Oaxaca and it it just was one of the most memorable things. Like we, I was handed like a guitar, you know, just like a pawn shop guitar plugged straight into a PA system. And then he got like this Casio keyboard and we had no idea what to expect. And it turned out there (laughs) were all these fans like in Oaxaca. Some of them were like, there was a couple people like crying saying they never thought man, man would ever, you know, show up in their city. And it was like, That's so cool. oh my God. So we were just on the floor in this sort of courtyard space and all these people just surrounding us standing, you know, the same level as us. And we played that song, both of us on a keyboard, on a Casio keyboard with the marimba setting. So like, you know, duet style. So I'm playing the upper part of the marimba and he's playing the lower part. And that, it was just so funny to play it like that way. Uh, very cool. Hearing you talk about this, though, like the just the band in general, let alone kind of com- compared with the perception, at least of, of other certain bands. Mm-hmm. It makes me think that that's this is hearing that and the openness of creativity and just being encouraging and like, try it and kind of figuring out the sound in a very organic way. It seems to me like that's as a kid, I would picture bands to be like the yeah. best version of this. So to be able to find that must be wildly fulfilling. Yeah, totally. It's it's fun to have the expectations kind of lifted and have that sort of like Honus is very hands off in a way. He's not he's not really controlling or nitpicky about what you bring to the song. Sometimes I feel like he only heard what I was playing after you know it was recorded 
so yeah, it's just freeing. It's liberating. There's just sort of like a wild creativity to it. That's very fun. That's so cool. I, I think it really, I don't know. I don't know how to necessarily quantify this, but I feel like that feeling really comes out in the album because it is, there's mm-hmm. just a vibrancy to it. And it's so fun. And I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about Man Man and this album specifically. And she said, she said like, uh, it reminds me of a certain band, but I can't put my finger on it. And it made me think, I'm like, if yeah, this is a band where it's like, it's a familiar sound while also being its own thing entirely. And I can't say that mm-hmm. for many bands. Yeah, thanks, man. It's also really cool that for all the layers and everything that's on it, it's all organic instruments. I mean, it's all people playing something physically, not anything. Again, I mean, I make digital kind of music all the time. But um, yeah, somebody called it. I remember somebody early on said our sound was sort of like a celebration of how do they say it? A celebration of instrumentation or something like that. A celebration mm-hmm. of playing instruments, which it, it kind of is it's just not intended to be like that. But everything, even like weird little parts are one of us actually figuring out how to play that thing uh, instead of <laughs> yeah. just, you know, samples and loops and, um, you know, pressing a key on a synthesizer I think it's, you know, without it being any kind of indictment on, you know, samples or, or just digital recordings, but just the idea of, of the a personality that comes out with playing an instrument as opposed mm-hmm. to using a sample and, and almost it being like a response. There's a quantifiable energy to that, I think. And, and that stuff is really contagious. It was really cool for me, too. Like, a lot of it was recorded live. We started out doing, yeah, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of editing and everything on the record as there is sure. for everything. But at one point, we sort of decided that it just wasn't totally coming together that way. It wasn't getting what we wanted. And so we all went to this sort of budget studio close by and just banged out about half the record, probably um, totally live, like all of us playing at the same time, and which is something I've always wanted to do. It's just sort of an old school way of making an album. And it's scary. I'll tell you, like, I'm not someone who uh, really always believes in my first take (laughs) of anything. (laughs) Like, I like, you know, I like to craft things. I like to make it the best thing it can be. And I like capturing, I like, especially with, like, guitar parts, there's a lot of nuances I'm really, really, really going for. And it's But also, like, the safety of, the safety of knowing that you have unlimited takes if you want them. Totally. And sometimes it's, it's rough (laughs) in this band or between like Ryan and Cyrus, it would be, I felt like I was only given one or two takes before it was like impatient, you know, cause it's definitely not a guitar forward band. I'm not like, if you're the guitarist, you're not necessarily playing like riffs and I don't know. It's just a very different style than I was necessarily used to. So it's so yeah, to just sort of, have to live with one or two takes was was hard but then um it was cool like ryan likes the mistakes he yeah. he he really likes them he, like it'll be something that i'm cringing at and it's just <laughs> and then you know he demands to use it and then I, you know i end up getting it like all together it just wouldn't be the same if it was all perfect yeah, you know, it's funny. When I watch like a movie or hear a song and then you kind of like de- uh, deconstruct it to some degree, 
it's that thing where it's like i understand how this works like in individual parts but collectively i don't know how this works but it it works so well and it's i imagine too in your Mm -hmm. position seeing the individual parts more so and then hearing the after you know and, and just realizing like the how dynamic they are mm-hmm. and then hearing it all together you're like oh shit okay well there we go yeah and there's honestly like very similar things in podcasting too and and uh just producing like my approach to producing and and editing and everything i think a lot of people are too they they focus on details first mm-hmm. and they get lost in the details and then it comes out in the end they've spent way too much time on it <laughs> they've overthought <laughs> things and it's missing something in the end and there's something really valuable about um moving quickly mo- like going broad first and yeah. then and then details if they matter but a lot of times they don't matter. A lot of times, um, like it drives me crazy in podcasts when they cut out every uh and and yes. like and I've I've worked on a couple podcasts like that. Won't name names, <laughs> but <laughs> you know some people, especially like you know non comedians, they assume that that's what they want, and uh, it really like sucks the life out of it, in my opinion. Well, and that's just also, like, that's just not how people talk. Yeah, there's something unnatural about it. I, I say that, by the way, as somebody who has taken out plenty of ums, but... Right. Uh, but... Sometimes it's just too many, but, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, it still needs to be listenable. Yeah. But but to your point, though, like, that's just how people talk. And and as some, and I will say that as somebody who went from, you know, I've listened to podcasts for a long time, and as somebody from a listener to somebody who does one and then edits it listening to the same podcast i did after the fact of realizing Mm. oh they all have these in there why am i obsessing over taking those out like i you don't even i don't even as a listener notice them yeah it all when when you're kind of like half paying attention or like you're driving (laughs) and i don't know that stuff just doesn't matter and that's the that's the spirit of podcasting you know from the early days it's not radio it's not it's not perfect like you're actually listening to someone speak their mind and you know say exactly what they want to say for as long as they want to say it yeah um yeah i don't know yeah earwolf especially like early earwolf was also to me just embodied that well yeah just like early podcasting especially it wasn't seemingly anyway like with the intention of being a product Mm -hmm. like it can be quote unquote like rough around the edges and that's just how it is the point is like the like you can't duplicate the intimacy that a podcast provides it's really wild and and granted there's gotta gotta keep your distance in this to some degree with that parasocial relationship but you know a lot of people that are ultimately absolute strangers oh yeah yeah and people (laughs) it's kind of crazy i feel like i came into podcasting without really being a, a podcast fan or even necessarily a comedy nerd Mm. so in some ways i feel like i've always i've always loved comedy and been way into it and had a passion for it but there's to me that's a there's a difference between being a comedy nerd and that but um yeah so in some ways i feel in the eye of the hurricane or whatever but um i have the tornado right 
There's, is there an <laughs> eye of a hurricane? I don't know. But um, yeah, that's but yeah. yeah. The, the hurricane has an eye. A tornado, I think, does. But definitely, the hurricane is is sizable, more sizable. I think. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen Twister well, a lot, and that's all I really know. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, Dana is—that's her favorite movie of all time. Really, far. it's yeah. amazing. It really holds up. I—I've said movie. this before. Like I—I I say it holds up. It's not good, but it's great. I love it. It has some of the finest Van Hagar in it too. Yes, it's got some really good one. Yeah, and a uh, just the story of like the legend of Bill Paxton's character of like he was drunk, he was naked. He threw a shot up, and he said, here's a shot, and it sucked it up. And I'm like, man, Phyllis Amra Hoffman, RIP, like such a fan of his, that he sold that with as much as if it was Shakespeare. Like he was so in it. I love it so much. It's so good. So fun. (laughs) But yeah, you know, just that intimacy that the fan has with the podcast, uh, it's a special relationship, you know? I don't take it for granted. It's, It's just like for us making them, it feels like friends hanging out but then i don't know when you when you imagine all the people listening it and how they're listening to it and how direct it is and how close they feel to it it's kind of it's kind of it's almost overwhelming to think about but it's i'm i'm super thankful for it well i mean today speaking of which the 10th anniversary episode of who charlie came out that's right yeah such a great show uh thank you i am fascinated by Howard's brain because the way he thinks me too is so it's so interesting it's like it's almost like you know looking at a a statue and then like moving five feet to the left and then it's a completely different perspective (laughs) I feel like that's what he provides and I love it so much yeah he has a different uh, I mean you said it better than I could Um, he connects things in a way that no one else would or yeah. you know could if they wanted to uh he's just the genuine thing i mean what you see is what you get there there are people who you know for the most part i would say all the comedians i work with of course that's their their real selves and it's not some phony kind of thing but you know of course there's levels of turning it on and turning it off and everything howard is just howard like no matter what yeah. And if he's grumpy, it's going to it's going to be on air if he's not, <laughs> you know, but he's funny. <laughs> you know, everything is equally as Howard right after we finish recording. We're just chatting. Yeah, he's equally as Howard just leaving me a voicemail. He's just he's the real thing. He's one of the funniest people alive, I think. And oh, I, I completely agree. And he just thinks in a completely fun interesting way <laughs> i just i just love it i love it and i just mm-hmm. love too how it um some of the things that his thoughts like he says them like they're anything else that they right. really sneak up on me and i just laugh of like r- sometimes realizing what he's talking about <laughs> and how funny it is yeah and uh i have a deep investment in the mole man mythology oh yeah of course of a guy that lives near where he walks, I believe, and just appears to also live his, live in his own world, but uh, <laughs> deeply invested in that yeah. and have no concept of what that person looks like. Yeah, that's the, that's the best part of the mole man thing is you realize <laughs> Howard is almost looking at a version of himself. Yes. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's like this standoff. 
uh, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I saw, I can confirm the mole man. I saw him on my okay. own once and it's everything he says and more. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really something. I've never seen anyone like him. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that is a very funny, just the idea to me of, of Howard marveling at somebody who is not terribly dissimilar than him <laughs> yeah. in some ways and but just being oh, yeah. completely confounded by it oh yeah <laughs> exactly but oh, yeah 10 so years funny. is a serious thing i mean it's no joke we were pretty casual about it but yeah when you really think about it it's like oh my god a full decade is like a real era you know you can't Truly. take that away that it's so impressive, especially when you know. I mean, you're you're doing them week to week, mm-hmm. and so you just like okay, this show, next show, next show, but then just taking a step back and thinking of the totality of that ten years. That is truly wild and very impressive. Yeah, hats off to him. I mean, the the spirit of the show, and of course, Kulop for many years, and uh, they really brought me in so early. That was the first real show I could feel, you know, like a part of and on mic and yeah um respected in that way you know and uh yeah just that show will forever be close to me and it's just so fun to think about all the memories of it i feel like we there's a few shows that and hollywood handbook too of course yes um that feel like earwolf of course they're earwolf shows but they're they're insider Earwolf shows. They bring you to the inside of Earwolf and they talk about who is out in the hallways <laughs> and who's there. Yeah. And they, they bring people on mic like anything goes, you know. They use all the parts of the Earwolf. <laughs> and they sort of Absolutely. brought people in. You know, I think they brought listeners into the culture and what was going on and, and you know, spying on, you know, the employees and everything. Hollywood Handbook especially. Oh, yeah. That is a show that is truly singular, and I dearly, dearly love it. Mm -hmm. It's so, so funny and unto itself, and it's like one, two, where if somebody asked me to explain it, I just would be like, please don't. It's just too, it's just, there's so many machinations to it, and they're just, I mean, both of them are, are, uh, Sean and Hayes are so delightful and, and singular unto themselves, I think. They're so funny. Yeah, I'll never forget, you know, I worked on, reality show show from episode one yeah and uh i loved it i love those guys that were like young they felt like these fresh-faced kids almost coming in (laughs) and they'd not really done it on mic stuff before right i mean like that was right at least Hayes, i seem to remember mentioning that before and they had this giddy kind of energy like yeah like they were kids and they got to play in a studio you know Um, (laughs) yeah but they were so funny from the from the beginning, and it was just such a joy, you know, to see them and hang out. And I remember reality show show ending and feeling sad about it because I loved it, you know. Yeah. But then uh, talking to them and they were telling me, you know, their idea for their next thing, for the new show, and we were going to record it. Um, and it was about Hollywood and <laughs> the you know the way they talked about it, and I'm not necessarily into Hollywood life, you know, that, that yeah. kind of thing. So I remember thinking in the back of my mind, like, Oh, is this good? Or <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I liked reality shows, so, you know? <laughs> um, but then once it started, they just had this whole 
of course their own personality and their own angle and satire to it and it just became its own universe but uh it's just been insane to see that show grow from the beginning and to see the fans like what the fan culture has become it's uh it's so good in terms of just like pound for pound like podcast episodes there are a number that are up there for me it's just the hardest i've i've laughed listening to podcasts <laughs> and even like the um the mass singer episode is just yeah you can't top that ending it's just amazing it's so good yeah i i skip that one maybe i'll regret that forever i don't know but it's perfect on its own <laughs> i was yeah. asked to come in and it was a saturday and, and i was like no i'm not working, <laughs> don't blame you. not working this saturday but uh, as if you could know, that's so, what it would become too. Anyway, I know. like they didn't know until it did. It's amazing. I knew it was, it was like a genius premise. <laughs> but um, God, I've had so much fun on that show, and I hope they bring me back on in their Patreon days. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely curious. I'm, I'm, you know, I know what they just announced, you know, yesterday, mm. not to date the podcast, but wherever they go, I'll, I'll follow for sure. Oh, of course, you know, it's like, just as a fan of just how funny it is and just from an entertainment standpoint but it's, they're also it feels like for me it, it's like impossible not to support them and root for them because they just seem like such great guys on top of it all uh i guess you know this is the good time as ever for the last question <laughs> inverting the paradigm how are you i'm good i you know it's hard to complain when things are as they are you feel uh yeah, it's like I'm struggling, <laughs> but I can't can't complain compared to where so many people are. It's just it's a crazy time. Um, work has been overwhelming. It's turned upside down. I'm, it's like I'm I'm proud of a lot. I like, but it's uh, yeah, it's a tough time. I miss my family. Yeah, you know, every day is the same. Like pre pandemic feels like a another lifetime at this point it's uh, wild it's yeah. crazy right it just feel it truly feels like a different life like it, it's weird thinking of it going back to that yeah i it, it really i know exactly what you mean like it's truly wild to rap it's so like day to day and it's so constant that it is truly wild just to think of that there was even like a time before what we do day to day right now. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just it's just unrelenting. The idea of like relatively speaking, somebody being like, "You can go outside now." Like, oh, oh, okay, oh. Yeah, there's almost a weird thing. I don't know if everyone feels this, but there's almost an anxiety about going back to that. Yes, for sure. You know, there's tons of anxiety and and de depressing things now. Of course, been the worst year ever, but. Um, there's also a weird dread about it just going back or like what, you know, it's almost like, oh, we're back. Now I got to <laughs> now I got to really figure things out, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. Well, it's like um, there's no there's no alarm that's going to go off to tell us everything's OK now. When I got to, you know, you define that for yourself, I suppose. But when when is it OK to return to some form of it because I, I don't know you know I, yeah. and that's the thing though who the fuck knows yeah i miss i i miss so much just friends hanging out i yeah. have like fantasies of just going to a bar and sitting there you know yeah. um and seeing family of course i don't miss commuting 
I don't miss sitting in traffic. There's things I don't miss, you know, and I have a feeling there's some pandemic things we've learned that are never going away. I think the work from home seal has been broken for a lot of companies yeah, and industries. And, and granted, there are so many instances, if not possibly all, where that should have been the case for years now. Like this has always been right. a possibility. Like that has yeah. been a possibility for so many for so long. And I know, mm. I'm sure Earwolf 2 has like had to, had to figure it out on the fly. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like when the shutdown hit, you know, the quarantine started. I had to figure out, I'll take, I'll take credit for it. Like Mm -hmm. we had to figure out fast how to change our entire production game, like upside down overnight, not miss a beat. Like we really didn't miss any episodes and they're, uh, they're just recorded and made in a completely different way than we ever did. And it was all about figuring out like how to do that. Like, yeah, I mean, we were talking before this started. It's just about the mechanics of recording a podcast and what service to use and how people record themselves and send in the files and then what you do with those files to make it sound halfway good. And it was this this process you have to outline. As production manager for Earwolf, I think, like, it's the less public side of what I do, but just designing like how to make our podcasts and all the templates we use, like putting those together and passing them around to the other engineers and to the producers and training people like what to do. Well, and then for you have podcasts that you have to mitigate potential delays for improv podcasts, for example. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's a real, that, that is a big deal. I feel like we got to a place where it'll never be quite like being, in studio but we got to a place where it's actually not bad (laughs) like for the first as a listener you wouldn't know yeah for the first month or so it was like oh my god all the the comic timing and the response and you know you can fix stuff in post of course you can you can delete pauses and stuff but you can't fix it in the moment you know there you you say different things when you hear people uh, nail the comic timing and then your response comes differently. So you can't, you can't fake that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we figured out a lot of tricks and yeah, I'm pretty proud of just a lot of the things I've had to figure out on the spot. That's also a super fun thing is sort of improvising, coming up with workarounds and hacks and cheats <laughs> for a lot of production stuff. Like I was saying, like, I don't like spending like an hour more than I have to, to to make something and everything takes five times as long as it did before. But, uh, you know, out of that necessity comes, you know, invention. So you you think really creatively, like how to get the results you want faster, um, how to make things sound, how to make people sound like they're in the same room together. Well, I imagine too, it's like you go from, to your point of, oh shit, we have to define a process, then establish it, then streamline it, and then try to, you know, I feel like maybe, you know, to some degree, the longer this goes on, the more you kind of realize you're kind of perfecting whatever it can be and, and, and making it more efficient in general. Yeah, there's times where I've even gotten like truly obsessive, dude, like like the <laughs> with keyboard shortcuts and programming like my own. And yeah. even things like 
really just tedious things that you think, okay, for one podcast, it's truly no big deal. But when you're talking about just breakneck speed, like high volume stuff, every little step you're trying to cut down. Yeah. So finding time codes here, copying this, <laughs> copying the Dropbox link, pasting it here, like all these little things like programming obsessively. There were times where I was almost like in a manic state because I just I needed it for my own mental health to not yeah. do some of these steps that I program some crazy like automated stuff for myself. <laughs> That uh, I don't know. I've thought almost I'm like, I should make a Patreon of just me sharing this stuff because I guarantee like no one is doing it. No one would want to. Your how to. Your <laughs> yeah. How to Patreon. Tutorial. I'll tell you what. People would subscribe to that because, yeah. you know, I, I know that for me that I feel like I don't know if it's lately, but I can definitely find myself and I can I, I was like this before, but more so like really like obsessing basically like zoning out and just really getting focused on something so i could absolutely go down that same similar rabbit hole honestly yeah i mean you, you can drive yourself crazy and i have i mean the work it's been a weird thing because i don't want to complain about having work in a time when people have yeah. no work and that's by far worse I'm, I'm happy to have work but it's also a weird struggle to have way overwhelming too much work <laughs> in such a yeah, yeah. depressing and, and crazy time when, I mean, there was, there's so much of this pandemic where all you want is to sort of pay attention to the news and you're just glued <laughs> to what's happening in the world. Yeah. And it sort of feels like that's everyone's project, right? Like <laughs> let's get through yeah. COVID-19 and the election and all pay attention. But then when you're working at all hours, I don't know. It's just it's an extra level of of feeling insane. <laughs> but I but um, I know what you mean though. Like yeah. it's still that thing of like like I could have it so much worse. I have it so much easier than so many people. I could have it so much worse than other people. Yeah. But while at the same time not minimizing the fact that your problems are still your problems. Just you know everything in moderation, I suppose. It it, it almost felt in some ways, in some ways like this deserved break for all of us. Like we're all mm -hmm. in this capitalist, like rat race thing. There was some silver lining kind of feeling early on of just like, it's kind of nice that we're all just p pressing pause. How often, I mean, that never happens where you just yeah. sort of press pause on the entire economy collectively. You just decide, Hey, we don't need to grow right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but then it's weird when, and, and it's like we need that because it's so stressful. You kind of need a break. So when you don't really get a break, it, that's been tough at times. But, you know, again, hard to complain. Um, <laughs> no, I, I agree. As much as I've like thought about all this stuff that I feel like I'll just summarize it as like, it's just a, it's just a lot. It's yeah. all just so much. I just wish um, I was saying like, I feel like if we were a smart country, we would have uh, taken like a general strike. It's like rip the bandaid off kind of thing. Yeah. When it first hit, should have just done a total shutdown. Everyone goes on. Everyone stops. And then we all move to like a nice foresty, like uh, <laughs> rural, like red state. Register to vote there. 
uh, I mean, you know, thankfully the election uh, happened the way it did, but uh, I wasn't so sure for a long time. Boy, um, yeah, it it was it was nerve wracking. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was pessimistic, but um. Well, look, I I was fooled before, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So, is there anything you want to plug before we wrap it up? Sure, I, I'll plug Gina Lombardo season two or so both funny. seasons. That's a thing. Uh, you know, it's just so funny to me. I was able to. I my favorite thing. I think it covers a lot of what I work on uh, with Howard, with with Gabrus, with Hollywood Handbook, with Masterclass. It's like well executed stupidity you know yes um there's just no sense in anything we're doing there's but we do it well <laughs> we make it weirdly ambitious we were just talking about this i was just texting gabrus today like it was pretty bold of us in july to decide for gina lombardo show that the pandemic was not a part of it and quarantine wasn't a part of it like an, almost all podcasts we've done it's like that's the conceit right like yeah. everyone kind of knows we're on zoom and we're recording and so everyone's expectations the listeners expectations are there you're not trying to get past that but yeah. for gino lombardo show the universe of that we were in studio we were doing field pieces you know like that's what you're supposed to believe listening to it and we had to make that happen still doing quarantine zoom calls and stuff i just love that we did that it's very different and like stupidly ambitious and i just and it's also one of those things with improv and also just being part of it being able to play with them is so fun but uh being able to contribute to the comedy with sound design and going all out with that is something we don't always do with just podcasts and chat casts and stuff even yeah. in, in, even improv and it's just really fun like the possibilities there are uh, hysterical like it just to me it adds a lot like i was just like crying laughing making some of that stuff it um, is it is so funny and it's so to your point like it's so well made like you. yeah so well produced like it's great can't recommend yeah. it enough Ex excited about that oh and uh, neighborhood listen that's yeah. also something that's just been such a joy to make. Uh, Neighborhood Listen, yeah, Paul Tompkins' show. It's it's great, too. Uh, he's so funny. Yeah, Paul and Nicole. And the Neighborhood Listen, I actually <laughs> am a character, Doug, in it. That's right. Yeah, and that, that was like something. I've, I've obviously been on mic a lot, but that was funny. And it was actually all from a mistake in the pilot. They... <laughs> they called to Doug like within their conversation and there was a slight pause and I was sort of halfway tuned out but my <laughs> instincts now are to you know I kind of know what they need from me like yeah you know it's like when Hollywood Handbook you know sort of points to me or puts me on stage suddenly I'm just used to that feeling but so <laughs> I, I kind of just jumped in and was like, hey, you know, and they were really like Paul was planning on just doing a voice and being Doug. But I I jumped the gun on that. And then they were so delighted. They were they were they just laughing at <laughs> that, that suddenly I was Doug and they just ran with it. And that became this whole thing. And um, that's just been super fun. And they've been 
so cool. It's just, they've been so cool to me to, to like bring me in on it. I love that. Thank you again for mm-hmm. doing this. This is so fun. Yeah, of course. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening. Please wear a mask. Please stay safe. Take care and goodbye.